This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by The Hungry Heifer. All your friendly Hungry Heifer restaurants throughout the Midwest are open on Easter Sunday. So after church, why don't you and your family stop in for a creamy mousse shake or some crispy buffalo chips? That's The Hungry Heifer. We'd love to see you. At The Hungry Heifer, we won't give you Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Easter week on Pod Cemetery with our classic film 1988's Critters 2 and our modern film 2010's Atrocious. Make sure it's that 2010 version if you're watching along at home and not the also Spanish 2015 version. Mm-hmm. He says version. We have absolutely no idea if it's the same movie. It's just two movies named Right, Atrocious. yeah, whatever. But before we get to those movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. The serial killer in Scream wears a mask inspired by which Edvard Mutke painting? Scream. No. Is that what it's called? Is it called The Scream? Is it called The Scream? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. All right, Kelsey. My questions are going to be Critters 1 related. Okay. Okay. Where in Kansas... Does the Critter spacecraft land? It's also where Critters 2 takes place. Like, I have to know the name of the town? Yeah. I have no idea. What Muppet is afraid of monsters? Gonzo. No. Because he is a monster. Gonzo's a weirdo. It's the Sesame Street equivalent of Gonzo. He's blue. Uh-huh. He he He's the one that likes to be a superhero, right? Yes, and he's... In a relationship with a chicken. Yes. <laughs> That's not Gonzo? No. No, wait. Gonzo is in a relationship with the chicken. I was gonna say. This character is not, but does like to be a superhero. He's blue. Uh-huh. He doesn't have the big nose that Gonzo has. Oh, then I don't fucking know. His name is Grover. They are like the same thing. <laughs> Okay, and when you go to the proctologist, what does the proctologist ask you to do? Bend over? Uh Uh-huh. Grover's bend? Yes, that's the right answer. Okay. (laughs) All right, Kelsey. Our first movie, the classic film from 1988, Critters 2, subtitled The Main Course. Written by David Toohey and Mick Garris, directed by Mick Garris, starring Scott Grimes, Leanne Curtis, and... Terrence Mann, David Toohey, this is actually his first writing credit, and I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's literally T-W-O as in two, and then H-Y. Toohey? I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, But you might have heard his name before. He would go on to pen Waterworld, (laughs) G.I. Jane. Oh, no. 
and all of the Chronicles of Riddick films. Oh, I love Riddick. Yes, of course. Who doesn't? <laughs> what is Critters 2 about? It's the exact same movie. It's just that they're older and it's set on Easter. Well, you remember the end of Critters <laughs> when there are still some eggs left over? Well, those eggs multiply... They hatch. And hatch. We gotta kill them again. Same movie. <laughs> yeah, there's added elements. Are there? Yeah, remember nobody believes the main character. He comes back to town and he's a pariah. And anyway. I guess. Anyway. <laughs> the movie is available for $3 to rent and $6 to buy on iTunes. You best believe we rented it. Should people watch Critters 2? It's harmless. It's ineffectual. But I would say no. If you really liked Critters 1 and you just wanted more of it and you didn't care if it was any good. Oh, yeah. If you love Critters, oh, absolutely. It's it's the same fucking movie. It's just set on Easter. <laughs> right. It's maybe a little sillier. It's not as dark as the first one. I guess. I wouldn't necessarily describe the first one yeah, as dark. Yeah, I wouldn't. But take all those dark elements out and you get Critters 2. Yeah. It's a lot more wacky and zany nudity <laughs> you know yeah there's a playboy it, model at one point where yeah you see her boobs and so fun but she's a badass so it's not like offensive we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> you can take our advice or leave it but when we get back we will talk about 1988's critters 2 the main course it's another taste it's a second building of horror. The fight is back. You can't go in there. Let's just go get help. Well, who are we going to call? Critter Busters? Critters 2. The main course. Rated PG-13. Now playing at a theater near you. All right, Kelsey, you know the drill by now. Can you get us started? What happens at the beginning of Critters 2? We get a title card that's eaten to remind us what we're in for. Clever. Yes. We get to see what the bounty hunters are up to. And yes, Charlie is still with them. And So that was not clear because the other bounty hunter, there's Ugg and there's Lee. Yes. Ugg is the main bounty hunter played by Terrence Mann. Lee is the one that kept shifting his face and at one point was Charlie. And I didn't remember what happened at the end of the first one. And so I'm like, oh, what? So Lee is just permanently Charlie now or something? Oh, and now he's a goofball? Wait a minute, is that just Charlie? And then sure enough, they go back into the, at one point, we'll get to the, the little bit of story here, but at one point they go back into the spaceship and we find Lee is there. Yes. Like why all three wouldn't be together? I don't know. Because they didn't think anyone would care, it honey. Was, it was confu- I was I was genuinely confused. <laughs> anyway, so we get to see what they're up to. They're still bounty hunting. They're killing weird animals all over the planet, the galaxy. And then they find out that there are still krites on Earth. Yeah. And they're like, no, there aren't. We killed them all. And they're like, no, they're, they're not. You got to go back. However, an earlier expedition remains incomplete. G-sweep of the planet Earth indicates residual crime life. G-sweep's wrong. No way, your holiness. I was there. I saw it all. The G-sweep is infallible. The council is very nervous when it comes to the crimes. They are a lethal plague and must be wiped out. 
today for the hexapod kill shall be withheld until the eradication of crimes on Earth is verified. There must be no doubt. I wrote here, look who's all grown up. And Chris didn't recognize him. <laughs> didn't I? You didn't. You did not think that was the main guy from oh, the last movie. Oh, it's not that I didn't movie. think him. think it was him. It's just that kid didn't leave an impression on me at all from the first movie. Like, I didn't recognize him because I I, I can barely picture him right now. It, yeah, it's just two years later. That's the other thing. Yeah, but a lot happens to the teenager yes, in yeah, two uh-huh. years. So, Including yeah. getting their ears pierced, by the way. <laughs> But yes, so uh, the kid from the last movie. Do you know why I say look who's all growed up? Do you know what that's from? When you say growed up, I think of swingers. Oh, no. No, he says groans up. What's what's it's from uh, Step Up 2. Oh, God. We need to watch the Step Up movies. No, we really don't. Yes, we do. Miranda made me watch all of them. I don't need to see them again. I love every single Step Up. Listen, you know what? I love dance movies. Movies where people dance. Go and hang out with Miranda. Love, love, love them. Miranda, if you're listening to this, we need to watch all the Step Up movies again. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So he says it to the girl from the first movie who was a kid. It's it's Channing Tatum's only line in the second one. Oh, right, one. yeah, uh-huh. Look who's all grown up. So it's because, yes, just like in the last movie, the eggs were left and now they're about to hatch. And funny enough, this is happening on Easter, which is when everybody wants eggs. Yes. So that's why Easter is important here. So he has come back and some new chick from this tiny little town that we never met before. Right. (laughs) She is also all grown up. Leanne Curtis. Uh, Apparently they knew each other in high school. But we didn't meet her in the last movie. Her name is Megan. She wants to interview him. She now works for the local paper. But he does not want to be interviewed. We will find out that he is now saying that none of it happened. Yeah. We will find out that he is now saying it was all a dream. Which is very strange He doesn't think it's a dream. It's just his way of coping. I get that. Because everyone made him out to be crazy. Yeah. Did we forget all the townspeople that saw what happened in the last movie? No, none of the townspeople saw what happened. They were all there when he changed. Yes, but they couldn't explain it in that movie. They couldn't remember when they said (laughs) Charlie busted up the bar. I know. Like what? Like nobody could explain what was going on. It was just this weird thing where everyone was losing their minds. But the only other citizen aside from the family that and Charlie, obviously, that saw the critters or the crites was the sheriff. Yeah, we never find out what happened to his family. Dee Wallace, she ain't in this movie. Right. No, he's we there, lose, we miss all of the family. We meet his there hippie meet, grandma. Yes, he's there to see his <laughs> grandmother for Easter. Why the rest of the family isn't there, I don't know. She is like this beloved children's nanny. <laughs> like all the kids in town stay with her and she teaches them to exercise and eat healthy. <laughs> yes. That time, here we are. Don't you have any Clark bars or milk duds? Oh, honey. Fresh vegetables are high in fiber, and we need fiber for a healthy BM. Now, we don't want to get constipated, do we? No! Oh, we don't. I kind of love her. <laughs> but the sheriff, he was voted out at the next election. Yes. Because... 
They didn't believe him or the kid. He kind of went crazy. Well, because he saw all the critter stuff, and people are like, we don't want this guy as our sheriff. Uh, That's why later when they ask for his help, he's like, why should I help this town? They voted me out. You can't leave now. This town needs you. Yeah. This town voted me out in the landslide. This town can kiss my ass. So yes, it has been two years. Apparently the eggs take two years to hatch. I guess that's a long incubation period. It certainly is. So there's this kid. He's like this punk guy who finds the eggs in the barn, a barn. It's not because it was in the chicken coop of the guy's house last time. So we don't know where these eggs came from. Nothing's very clear. right? But he finds them. I don't think this movie cared enough. (laughs) (laughs) And he talks to this guy named Quigley, who owns this like pawn shop, antique store kind of thing, and he wants to send, and he wants to sell him these eggs, which they look like little tiny dinosaur eggs or something like that. You know what I mean? Like they—they they don't look like Easter eggs. No, no, not at all. But they look like they might be manufactured. You know, you don't know. And so he tries to sell them to Quigley, and Quigley's like, "I'm not buying them off of you." And he's like, "I'll take them for like a case of this beer." And Quigley says, okay. And so they drop them off at this place. And when Quigley doesn't have the beer that the guy likes, he takes, well, then I'm taking two cases. And this Playboy. And takes <laughs> a Playboy along with him. And that Playboy will become important. Yes. Cut back to the bounty hunters. As Chris said, Lee still cannot pick a face. But Charlie is very concerned when he finds out that they're going back to Earth. Do you remember why? Yeah, because, I mean, everyone, like, no one liked him. His best friend was a little kid. Well, he's also concerned they're going to leave him. Oh, leave him on Earth. Yeah, he wants to be a bounty hunter. And Ugg's like, Charlie Bounty Hunter. Yeah, it's so cute. It's so cute how much they love Charlie. (laughs) On Earth, I was just a big nobody. I had one friend, and he was just a kid. Brad. Yeah. Hey, hey, uh, you wouldn't just leave me on Earth, would you? Charlie, bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah, Charlie, bounty hunter. (laughs) Say, you guys are okay, you know that? For no real reason. (laughs) Right, no, it's just supposed to pull on your heartstrings, I think. (laughs) And this is when Lee will start to look for a new face. The first one was a face from a guy from Greece. It probably looks like a guy from Greece. Okay, but probably I looks like somebody I, from Greece. Yeah, no, I don't know who it would have been. But then he ends up saying, I'm not the Van Halen type or something like that. So he doesn't end up taking that face. This is probably an interaction with the punk character who I can't remember. Wesley. Will like be rude to him or something. No, he like sexually assaults Megan. And he, like, forces a kiss on her or something like that. Oh, shit. Like, commenting on how she's grown up or whatever. And then I think he might be drunk, too, because he's been drinking the beer. And then this is when Brad shows up and breaks it up. He just kind of pops up and... So that's their first interaction. And then the guy ends up eating dog food at one point? Like, he's feeding his dog? Quigley feeds his dog, yeah, and then then he he eats eats it. Yeah. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but yes have you never is... eaten dog food no i've not i haven't either but i have eaten dog biscuits oh jesus why they're basically flavorless oh god 
So quickly after we see that he eats dog food, is approached by Brad's grandmother, who is here to pick up the eggs for the Easter egg hunt. Right. Apparently he forgot to order them. So he's like, here, have these. And she's like, where are these from? He's like, Germany or something weird. And she's like, okay. So she takes these eggs. Now, I don't understand why, because the kids made their own eggs. I guess this is just extra. Yeah, I don't, yeah. It's odd. Basically, what's happening is they're setting up a pretense for why the eggs would be spread about the town. Yes. So they're doing this huge Easter egg hunt for the whole town. I thought the idea of the painted eggs was kind of cute them painting over them yes i thought that was kind of cute it was interesting there were a few painted eggs and i was like oh that's adorable because inside of that is death (laughs) but so the grandmother is like chris said takes care of kids but she she has one of the girls with her and she's like here you go honey have an egg early and take a bunny okay so she gets her chocolate (laughs) bunny this chocolate bunny is unwrapped. It's just a giant unwrapped chocolate bunny. And the girl will walk around with this for like the entire day. And that thing will stay in pristine condition. Yes. And yes. it bothered me the whole fucking movie. I loved chocolate bunnies as a child. And guess what? You can't touch one without no. your fingers getting chocolatey. Uh-huh. You're leaving fingerprints. It's and smudging. immediately their faces yeah. get destroyed. They melt crazy fast. Later at, later that night. It's perfect. <laughs> she just like leaves it on the floor like a, next to her like bed. A, yeah, it's like it's like a stuffed animal. Yes. Yeah, no, it's it's really bizarre and it doesn't serve any purpose. It just bothers me the entire <laughs> movie. So I I guess he probably didn't sell her all of the eggs. No. Because some of them hatch. She takes like half of them or something. And they're like gross. It's kind of like in Gremlins. Yeah. It's all this green goo. And they supposedly stink. They probably they supposedly Is it him really that bad. steps on one of them? Because he somebody in that here happens st- later. Okay. And what do they do? Do you know what they eat first? They eat the dog? They eat the dog first. Yeah. It's really sad. And he walks in on this, and he jumps up on top of a stool, and they immediately start to eat the uh, Oh, yeah, the like, like cartoon beavers. Yes. Just gnawing exactly. at, the, at the stool legs. Exactly. This is what I mean by it gets a little bit sillier. Like, I know the first one had the fuck, you know, <laughs> but that great line. <laughs> they don't have any weapons or whatever. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> They've got weapons, so yeah. splat. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> so this, this, but this is a little bit wackier. It's a little bit more slapsticky. Yes. Okay. Now this this has absolutely no point, but I want to bring it up because it reminded me of Poltergeist. We don't get to see what happens to him at that point. We get a cut to the little girl still holding her fucking chocolate bunny, and she's going to bed. And just like in Poltergeist, he goes to put the sheets on her, and she says, "It's too hot." You want to get under the covers? No, it's too hot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Isn't that random? I don't know if it's a reference or I what. I don't know. It's weird. It's too hot. Okay. Happy dreams, okay? Well, I mean, I imagine it's just a thing kids say. <laughs> but so meanwhile, Brad is missing Charlie, and they decided to show us how much he misses him by having him cry over a production still. Yes, okay. I'm glad you wrote that. I'm glad you wrote that because I said, why would you grab a still from the first movie of an event no one even saw 
of them doing the uh, the, the, the slingshot, the slingshot which very thing. Specifically, no one did see because yes. they thought it was him the whole movie. But they 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 took a screenshot of the movie, <laughs> a, a single frame, still. and were like, "Oh, this is a commemorative photograph that." They happen to have as if someone with a camera was there and captured that moment candidly or whatever. It's really bad. But like in the plot, the whole point is that no one saw that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, I it's didn't such even a stupid do nothing. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> you shot your sister. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but up to this point, I was like, I think probably right before Quigley dies. I was like, when is something scary going to happen? <laughs> Like, it's a long time in this movie where, like, nothing scary happens at all. It's just all character building. We haven't even talked about the fact that the little girl's dad is a newspaper reporter in town. And Lynn Shea, same town, same actress, different character, works for... But still kind of wearing the same The clothes. reporter. Yeah, maybe it is the same character. I think I don't it's know. the same character. But doesn't she doesn't work in the, the sheriff's sheriff? office anymore. I think she knows the sheriff. She though. does. Yeah. And, but yeah, she works for him as a reporter and the reporter dad is like, I think there's something going on here or whatever. You know, he kind of... Anyway, whatever. There's a whole plot point that we didn't even get to. This is what I'm talking about. So much padding, nothing scary happening up to this point. Yes. And then, okay, so because some of them have hatched, you might be wondering, why haven't the others hatched? There's no explanation. They all just seem to hatch whenever they feel like it, and it's good for the movie. So the others have hatched. Then we're sitting there watching the little girl, and we're all like, oh, God, it's going to eat the little yeah. girl. Except who? what happens to it? Her dad steps on he it. He steps on it which without was realizing so it. Gross. It was hilarious i'm like ew he just stepped on it but the reason that it hatches is doesn't doesn't she set it on like or the dad take it from her and set it on like one of those floor vents where like the heat might be coming out because i, I seem so. to remember there was something like that going on because it would have like heated up the egg but it was also shocking because it set right next to the chocolate bunny which doesn't melt <laughs> i don't remember anyway this. i don't know why we're so hung up on this chocolate bunny but. <laughs> So meanwhile, everybody, so everybody goes to church for Easter Sunday. While they're in there, the eggs are starting to move because, again, it's just whatever mm -hmm. works for the film. The new sheriff is convinced to dress up as a bunny rabbit, told that the old sheriff used to do it every year. So now he has to. Oh, yeah. And we haven't even been talking about the sheriff. He doesn't want anything. I mean, Chris said he doesn't want anything to do with the town. Because... Lin Shay goes to him and says, Brad's back in town or whatever. Yes. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah, I'm don't going care. back inside. They're about to start the bonus round. Mm. <laughs> I kind of love him. <laughs> Brad Brown is back in town. Oh. Well, on the important chart, I'd put that right between a pineapple quiche and a pimple on the ass. I thought you would want to talk with him. You know about the critters and all. Why in the hell would I want to do a thing like that? If I never talk to anybody about them things that shall remain nameless, I'll die a happy man. And besides that, I ain't been sheriff of this burg for two glorious years. Now, why don't you run along home, Sal? Because they're about to start the bonus round. Yes, so the new sheriff, who we don't like because the, the old sheriff doesn't like him. And he's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick. One of them gets inside his bunny suit. <laughs> yeah, through the crotch. And there's like a balls joke. Yeah. And it's like, there's this whole thing where he's flailing around as if it's eating his nads. But, but like, everybody thinks he's doing it as a rabbit. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then he starts hopping because he's getting eaten in the crotch or yes. whatever. And then he lands and there's just blood everywhere. Kind of like in Chucky 2. I mean, the new Chucky. Where the Chucky comes out. But oh, like, yeah. Uh-huh. Dead. <laughs> blood splurts on this little girl yes yes (laughs) kind of the same thing there so now all this crazy shit is starting to happen and the girl who has a crush on brad for whatever reason tells him i believed you i always believed you yeah and this is when originally he tells her that oh it's all just a dream and she's like oh well i believed you (laughs) yeah this is when they meet up with the bounty hunters and brad is stoked but lee still needs a face And what do they find on the side of the road? They find the Playboy that Wesley grabbed had fallen off of the back of his truck, I think. We think. And Charlie's like, oh, human women, finally, right? And he opens it up to the centerfold, and then Lee sees that and immediately starts to change. (laughs) Because they make the point about how the face finds you or whatever. Yes. And and he's like, oh, this is the one. And he changes into this woman, and then his chest gets bigger, and the tits get so big that the top rips open. Yes. And then his ass gets so big that the pants rip off. Yes. And then later on, there's like a custom outfit, and they don't explain how he got that custom outfit. Does he have a custom outfit? Like yeah, there's like a bra. There's there's the I, yes, that bikini bottom. Familiar that all of a sudden he's yeah. covered. And, and there's a, no explanation. Place. Yeah, because Maybe. when he changes originally, yeah, the tits pop open and you just get bare breasts. And then the next scene, but it doesn't matter because the first thing she says is "kill Christ." Yes, <laughs> kind of awesome. <laughs> yes, and she just goes off running like I'm gonna go kill Christ. Yes, as lame as the whole, like, oh, I turned into a Playboy centerfold, my tits and ass burst my clothes open, and now I'm naked. As lame as that is, Lee is kind of awesome as this woman. Yes. Kill Christ. There's also a joke where she has a a giant staple in her stomach. Yeah, I didn't get that. that's the staple from the magazine. That's clever, but... Why wouldn't... Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, because she would be laying sideways. Yes, uh-huh. That's clever. Yeah. I wondered. When that came up, I was like, what is that thing? <laughs> it was a staple. I figured it's an alien. I don't yeah, know. Because no. <laughs> as far as Lee knew, that was part of her that body. hysterical. <laughs> That's really good. So, all this crazy shit is happening. Lin Shay is freaking the fuck out. Quickly gets attacked. The krites are getting bigger, which is interesting because Chris had said after the first movie no. they stopped doing no, 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 that. No, 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 they don't. They don't grow large. There is one large critter in this one, but there's a whole story around that, right? But the others get well, slightly they age. bigger. They age, but it's not like they eat and then they become the size of a house like in the last one. True. Okay, and they can still throw poisonous barbs and stuff like yeah, that. That, that cause you to pass out. There's this whole fight sequence. They take out the air tires, they smash them, they throw them out. One gets run over by a truck tire and just gets splattered on the ground. It's like, man, they really are embracing the silly factor. Very much. Don't worry, there's a moment later where one rolls away from a bounty hunter and slams into a wall and there's a boing sound and then we see it and it's dizzy and you get birds chirping. And it's like, man, this is just way silly. Like they're going the Gremlins 2 route to Gremlins. But this is nowhere near. Like, because, you know, Gremlins 2 just got wacky. Yes. After the first Gremlins, which had comedy. Yes. But it wasn't Gremlins 2 comedy. Right. Oh, I have written here. Wait, now she has clothes and a cape. 
I did not write any of that down. And it is badass. <laughs> she has one of those capes like like in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe that he wears. She was badass. I liked her. <laughs> and it, that's why it's sad what happens. They end up finding the critters at a buffet. Do you remember what the name of this restaurant is? No. Hungry Heifer? Oh, yes. The Hungry Heifer. Earlier, I mentioned... Someone from Greece is in this film. Would you like to explain who that is? Yeah, the manager of this restaurant, The Hungry Heifer, is played by Eddie Deason, who if you hear his voice, you've heard his voice before. He's in tons and tons of things, but he is Eugene from Greece and Greece 2. <laughs> but he's that kid who knows what's going on. He's literally called the know-it-all in the Polar Express. He's also in Rockadoodle, and yes. he is the annoying, like, blackbird that they hang out with named Snipes. <laughs> so Kelsey, in her notes, will continue to refer to him as Snipes. Yes, or guy from Greece. <laughs> Rockadoodle, underrated movie. It really is. Somebody, oh, we watched that, like, they, they made, like, a movie or documentary about, um, what's his name? Bluth, Don Bluth. Yes. And they talked about how, like, his, his work got worse and worse. Yeah, and, and then, one of the movies they Rock mentioned like, is no. Rockadoodle. Rockadoodle's great. Rockadoodle <laughs> is fantastic. <laughs> They're running out of batteries. Oh, that's so creepy. <laughs> so, Lee ends up seeing that guy. Eddie Deason. And turns into him. So then we get... Then we get Lee running around in the outfit of the playmate. Yes. But actually played by Eddie Deason. It is hilarious. It's, I, I wrote down, that's kind of funny, actually. It's really <laughs> funny. And it's only for a minute. You just get to see skinny, gangly, nerdy looking Eddie Deason running around in like some battle dominatrix outfit. <laughs> yes. At one point, though, in this scene where they find them in the restaurant, one lands in the deep fryer. And that's like, Jesus Christ. I, I literally wrote, oh, my God, his outfit made me laugh in the middle of talking. <laughs> Remember, I was yes. talking to you when yes. we saw it, and I just <laughs> burst out laughing when I saw it. But I, the reason it gets sad is because he dies here. Lee dies here. Changes Very back. Sad. Changes back into the woman. Yes. He almost changes into Freddy at one point. He sees, like, a cutout of Freddy Krueger, and he almost changes into Freddy Krueger, but Brad pulls out the Playboy. Yes. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> he brought it along with him, apparently. Yeah, apparently. But yeah, he ends up dying. It's really sad. I did not like it. Yes. So, I mean, but it's a duo. Bounty hunters are a duo, man. Yes. And so, yeah, and that causes the other one to lose his rock star face. Yes, he mourns the loss of Lee. What was the song? I will not tell you. <gasps> oh, that's probably the question. I don't remember. Oh, fuck. The power of the night. <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm going to need to think of a different question. I just remembered it. <laughs> Because I was like, there was a reason I really liked it. Oh, because it reminded me of a song. And now that song's stuck in my head. Uh -huh. And you're going to hear that all night tonight, Chris. Oh, no. I, I live among the creatures of the night. <laughs> I haven't got the will to try and fight. Yes, we talked about that in our last Critters episode, <laughs> which was like last week or something. Shut up. 
Anyway. It was, like, it was a month ago. <laughs> so he loses his face. Brad is worried that he's not going to be able to help him. Brad's like, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. Or is it Charlie? Makes more sense if it's Charlie, isn't it? I don't know. It's either Brad or Charlie. But yeah, but Ugg just basically shuts down. Yes. And just stops responding. And at one point in the movie, they just leave him behind. And we don't know what happened to Ugg. I wrote down, where is Ugg? (laughs) (laughs) The sheriff ends up getting called back into action. Yes. He helps them by like setting up bait and they're going to blow them up, which is, is that what the, exactly what they did in the first movie? Didn't they bait them into somewhere and then they blew them up? They blew them up in their UFO oh. because they had the fireworks or whatever. Fireworks. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So they're going to go to the meat processing plant or whatever. No, they get all the cheeseburgers, cheeseburgers and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. And fries and all this stuff, because I guess there's a warehouse there or something like that. And they set them all up. And they rig it with dynamite. They put it inside the food, which seems like a fucking dumb plan. But the point is, is that when they eat, they're going to be amongst the dynamite and maybe right. swallowing the dynamite. But yeah, if they eat it all up, the fuse isn't going to be leading to it. <laughs> and, and they yeah, eat no, it's everything. So blow up the building. Yeah. You don't need to blow up the food. Yeah. But anyway, they they turn on fans and try to get the critters to go towards it. And they start to. But then they realize that there's live meat and live meat tastes better. The town, the town people, right? So they, so they head back towards the townspeople who are trying to huddle up in one place until the big one that's like leading all of them is like, wait a minute, there are no bones in cheeseburgers and we won't have to deal with the nasty bones and spit them out or whatever, right? And they're like, oh, that's a good point. And so then they follow this big one back to the warehouse where all the dynamite is. Okay, I do want to point something out, though, because uh, you're you're mentioning the fact that now we have one that's bigger. Yes, and that is true, and I know where you're leading with that. However, I did write that right before the woman is killed, so we know that it, this happened yes, yes, before, yes, yes. I specifically wrote down, oh my God, I can see the, the wires on the big one. So there was already a big one that came after her, and I could see the wires on it. I don't know, I'd have to go back and check. It might be an inconsistency. Yeah. Might be a plot hole. Some of you can figure out where this is going. Totally. I was just like, (laughs) fucking see those wires. (laughs) So anyway. No good. No good movie. (laughs) They finally get all of them in, but the big one stays outside and leads all of them in, but refuses to go in himself until it shapeshifts back into Ugg. That's what Ugg was doing. That's when we didn't know where Ugg was. He was shapeshifted into a critter like their critter leader and led them to where the dynamite was critical part of this plan however it doesn't really work no they blow the place up all it does is just turn it into this critter amalgamation yeah they all become one one giant one with all these mouths and faces and stuff. so now they can roll over a person and all that's left is bones yes i have that written down (laughs) this is what i mean when i mean this one is very silly yes They roll over a person and all that's left is a skeleton. It's very silly. At some point, you're thinking that things are going to go bad, but Charlie ends up sacrificing himself and the ship and destroys them. I forget how he does that. So so Charlie gets in the spaceship, the UFO, 
and flies directly into the amalgamation, blowing it up. Oh, okay. And I wrote down, Jesus, Charlie, you didn't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, and, so, and then Ugg takes on the face of Charlie, and I was like, what the fuck? As like to honor him? Yeah, to honor and him. And now at the end of the movie, when Brad's getting back on the bus, but he has to, he has to kiss the girl first. Oh, yes. I wrote, he <laughs> Finally kissed her. Jesus Christ. It took forever and everyone's watching and the everyone's entire, commenting on it. The entire movie, it's just constantly mm-hmm. about to kiss and then don't. And the sheriff who joins him on the bus is like, come on, kid, kiss the girl. I gotta go. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. The sheriff is the one that finally gets him to do it because he almost gets on and doesn't mm-hmm. kiss her. And then all of a sudden, Charlie comes running up in a with a parachute dragging down behind him. And it's like, oh, this is where the Dark Knight Rises got its ending from. Yes. There was zero possibility for him to have actually ejected, but that's the twist at the end is that he did live. And then randomly <laughs> he decides to stay. Yes, which was weird. So weird. Like completely against his character. The, the movie the entire time he's been talking about how I, I just want to be a bounty hunter. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. Well, I guess he finds his place on Earth, but he found his place amongst the bounty hunters. Yeah, it's weird. I liked it better when Charlie and Ugg were a team. Yes. That was kind of a bummer. Fuck you, Curtis. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Lightning round stuff. I I mean, I could go back. I don't care enough to. I, I have like, like I said, one comment, I there, think. Like, there's a couple things. Like I said, like the wires was real bad. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, it always reminds me, you weren't a Doug fan because you didn't have Nickelodeon, right? No, yeah. Uh. There's an episode of Doug. Where he's too scared to watch a horror movie that's really popular at the time. Mm-hmm. And everybody at school is making fun of him for being too afraid to see it, right? So he finally forces himself. I think he has his friend Skeeter, like, hold his eyes open or mm-hmm. something. Forces him to watch it. And he ends up seeing the zipper on the back of the guy's costume. Oh, okay. So he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was so afraid of this. It's like... Those moments are, like, changing, you know, when the magic is gone and it's just, it's it's why I would never as a child would have wanted to go to Sesame Street. Okay. I don't want that magic taken from me. Uh Uh-huh. I know critters aren't that's why when you do things like go to Sesame Street, they try to, like, insulate the kids from that kind of stuff. I guess. But when I see a movie that has something... It doesn't even have to be a horror movie. The Wires or the Boom Mic. Uh-huh. As soon as I see that, I'm just like, oh, you didn't give a fuck. Your editing team didn't give a shit. Sometimes, though, it's because, like, restorations where something shows up on the film, but they know that it won't show up on the screen because there's a vignetting around it. So there's a plate around it. That's a good it. point for like things like Star Wars. Right. But then where... when they when they remaster it or whatever and they go back to like the actual film and they're not considering the way films were projected back then when it was originally played, you can see on the on the edge of frame stuff that was never intended to be seen. Right. But that's totally different. Uh-huh. I watch old school like Star Wars movies. I don't see that it's a model. I don't look at that and immediately, oh, this is a model. Like, I don't see that. Mm -hmm. And I know that this critter isn't real, but when you show me the goddamn wires. Also, when they, this critter's too, they up the silly factor. You're not supposed to be scared of any of this. I guess. You're supposed to be kind of laughing at everything. I mean, we mentioned that thing about the skeleton 
It rolls over a dude, and on the other side, skeletons there on but the ground. But it's not like they were doing all kinds of shit and testing the waters. This is not Evil Dead. No, no, no. no. You're right. You're right. No, I don't want to give that impression. It's not. It's not silly like Evil Dead is silly. But anyway, what do you think the movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? A forty. Twenty-seven percent out of eleven reviews, those that there's no consensus. A forty-eight Metacritic. Roger Ebert said. It lacks all of the style and sense of fun of the original Critters <laughs> and has no reason for existence. Oh, it doesn't. Aside, of course, from the fact that Critters is a brand name and this is the current model. That's his review. It was the last theatrical released Critters movie. As a reminder. I'm sorry. Leo was on a straight video? He was. This is before he was famous. Oh, no. <laughs> that doesn't sit well with me. As a reminder, Critters 1 had a Metacritic of 58. We gave it a 59 and a 62, you and me, respectively. Do you think 27 for Critters 2 is overrated or underrated? Maybe just slightly underrated. What would you give I was going to give it a 30. I was going to give it a 35. I was going to give it a 30 because... It made me laugh. Oh, my God. Him in that costume. I'm telling you guys, I was talking to Chris, and midway in my speech, I burst out laughing. Yeah. No, I have a lot of things written down, and this is a telltale sign, right? I have a lot of things written down like, ha, that's actually funny. <laughs> so it has those, and it gets points for those. But the fact that I had to write down that that's actually kind of funny is a bad sign about the rest of the movie that's not those moments. So Kill Kreitz. Yeah, that's great. It's I love great. her. It's great. Uh, but like, the movie I totally is not great. I don't give a flying <laughs> fuck that she's naked. I don't care. She's it's, just it's, badass. It's more of a joke on his costume, to be honest. Right. Yeah. She has that badass cape. It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Something straight out of He-Man and the Masters <sighs> of the Universe. Even though, when did He-Man come out? Same year, maybe? One year prior. Kind of with the European crowd. Nakedness does not imply sexiness. Sure. Sure it does for the males. Right. I mean, the whole point is that it's a Playboy magazine and Charlie's like, whoa. And then her boobs burst. So, yes, you're right. I don't give a shit. Kill critters. (laughs) Kill critters. You can look at me all you want. You're not going to touch me. Yes. The nudity nudity can be empowering. Yes. (laughs) It absolutely can be. Anyway. That is our classic film, 1988's Critters 2. Before we move on to our modern film, Kelsey, horror trivia. Tony Todd is known for playing what character in this horror trilogy? Candyman. Yeah. <laughs> I know Tony Todd's name. <laughs> I wouldn't have known him. Okay, Kelsey, replacement question. You could have gotten the last question if you didn't push it. (laughs) Who plays the part of the bounty hunter that takes the form of Johnny Steele? I don't know his name. I have said it. You've said it a billion times. (laughs) He's apparently a huge theater star. I don't know. He totally has a theater look to him, though. He does. Isn't that weird? How, like, people have a look. (laughs) You're like, you look like you should be on stage. Terrence Mann is his name. Terrence Mann. Yeah. All He's right. He's pretty funny. He is. He doesn't do a lot in this one, though. 
Not really, especially since they convert back to the unfaced one and then Charlie. the giant critter and then the Charlie again. Yeah. But Terrence Mann is in all of them. So he must go back. I love that he's in all of them. <laughs> makes me happy. Anyway, 2010's Atrocious. Our next movie, written and directed by Fernando Barreda Luna, starring Christian Valencia, Clara Moraleda, and Chus Pereiro. What is Atrocious about? A family is on their Easter vacation. They're in the country. And two of the kids who are, like, I don't know, teenagers? Yeah. Teenagers, yeah. They run a blog where they investigate urban legends. And since there happens to be one right by their vacation home, I guess, they're going to investigate that on their trip. Their Easter trip. That's why it's on this episode. Even though I'm going to tell you right now, that has nothing to do with anything. It's just the pretense for why they're there in the first place. Nothing to do with what actually happens. The movie is $4 to rent and $8 to buy on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Should people watch this movie? Okay, so this movie isn't necessarily bad. No, it's not long either. Yeah, it's So it's not short. like you're committing to anything great. Right. If you are a Blair Witch fan, you need to see this movie, I feel. Sure. Well. Yeah, no, a lot of elements of it. I mean, it's a found footage... We're carrying cameras around with us. Oh, look, it's night vision time. We're running through bushes and trees and stuff. So, like, yes, you do get that Blair Witch vibe out of it. And there's a lot that this movie does right. For me personally, I would have been fine never seeing this movie. Yeah, especially that it just, it does not nail the landing. I don't like Blair Witch style movies. Not that I think they're bad. I just, they're not they're I, they're not interesting to me. Well, yeah, I think the big problem is, and and I mean, we haven't watched Blair Witch on the show yet, but everyone knows that the ending either is a non-issue for somebody or or infuriating or infuriating. Yes, it's infuriating and for it's, me, and it totally makes sense. Nobody's like, "Wow, that ending was amazing." <laughs> Because for people who like the movie, it's not about where it's going. It's what happens along the journey. It's about the experience along the way. Which is why I think you'd like Atrocious. Yeah, and this has that same sort you don't of give a shit experience about the ending, along the way. Who cares? They, they try to do something with the ending, and it's just, it's muddled. It's a mess. Kelsey called it ahead of time. I don't know. Would you recommend it? It wasn't bad. Yeah. But it's, I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it to any of my friends. I wouldn't tell my friends what you need to watch this movie. I don't enjoy movies like Paranormal Activity. I don't like watching found footage and be like, nothing happened. Oh, that moved. Oh, dog walked away. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Oh. Well, it's trying to create attention. Scary. And there are moments moments in this movie where it does successfully create tension. But then the rest of it's just like, I mean, I guess these kids are interesting. I'm fine watching them move around. It's only like an hour and 15 too. minutes. There wasn't, yeah, there's nothing really bad about it. I just don't like this kind of movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, they're, they have to be very good for me to find them interesting. It's one of the things I like about the VHS series that is found footage is that it's shorts. It's found footage it's an shorts. Anthology. Yeah. But I mean, it, it makes it easier to enjoy when I don't have to watch a whole movie of this one concept spread out. And that's why this movie being kind of short is in its favor. Because oh, if it was any longer, I would just be there, intensely bored. There's nothing else they could have put in this movie. Right. It would have just been padding. Yes. And I'm very glad that 
I would say there's practically no padding. This movie sticks very close to what it's telling you, and then yeah, the end and every is scene just is kind, kind of, of like, necessary <sighs> to its story. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, the movie stays very much on top of it, and then the end, it's just like... <laughs> right. <laughs> Plus, if you're looking for a foreign horror movie that you want to enjoy, or one specifically from Spain, you could do worse than this. You know, if you want to watch movie foreign horror films that aren't all, you know, from Japan, for instance, uh, then... It's not the worst one you could watch. I think Thesis is a fantastic. Yes. If I was going to tell anybody to watch a Spanish horror film, I would watch Thesis. Yeah. I thought that was really well done. I agree. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 2010's Atrocious. Los investigadores confían que la aparición de una cámara de vídeo que al parecer pertenecía al joven Cristian Quintanilla arroje luz sobre el caso. La policía está analizando las más de 37 horas de material grabado. Hola, soy Cristian, mi hermana Yuli. Como ya sabéis, nosotros nos dedicamos a investigar leyendas urbanas. Nuestros padres nos obligan a pasar la Semana Santa en una casa de campo que tenemos en Sitges. No me extraña que se perdiera una niña por aquí en el 1940. Y si te pierdes, que no te pille de noche. ¿Por qué ladra? No sé, no se ve nada. A lo mejor tiene miedo. In between recording sessions, we got some wedding pics back. We spent four and a half hours going through them yesterday just to find the ones that were good enough to share with the guests. Yes. But that also means that we had a couple people request photos. And so if you're following us on Twitter, great. If you're not, you probably should be at Pod Cemetery. Uh, in the very near future, we'll be posting up some select photos from the wedding for people that wanted to see like Kelsey's dress and stuff like that. So yes, keep an eye out for that. But in any case, Kelsey, can you get us started on atrocious? What happens in the beginning of the movie? We start with a quote. The mind is like a labyrinth in which anyone can get lost. Do you know who said it? Yeah, it is weird that it was a quote that wasn't attributed to anybody. Mm-hmm. Well, there are a lot of Tumblr posts that show it, but they also just show that title card from the beginning of the movie. So I think it's an original quote from the writer-director of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So the movie opens on... It wants to show us immediately that it's found footage... But there's a lot of rewinding, so I guess we're seeing it from the perspective of the people who are watching. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what 
perspective we're supposed to be seeing here. So a lot of these found footage movies are like, this footage was uncovered. The government had it and we put in a freedom of information request and you're going to see it uncut or whatever, you know, like that's the stuff they get or something similar to that. We don't really get that here. We get a fast forward and we'll talk about the content in a little bit. We get a cut from later on in the movie, then it rewinds and it shows like the federal information that might be on a, you know, I don't know if that's just a standard home video federal information in Spain or if it's <laughs> evidence. like a government evidence thing or what. We didn't really pay that much attention to it. But my point is, is that I don't think they do a very good job of pointing out, number one, who are we watching this footage? And number two, who is controlling this footage? Who's doing the rewinding and who's showing us this footage? Because they don't really say, regardless of what that warning's about, who's the one doing the actual fast forwarding and rewinding? Because it happens twice in this movie. So what happens? What do we see in the little flash forward here? Well, it's hard to tell, but there's like people. Well, we know what it is because having seen, seen the, the movie, end. yeah. But when I first saw it, it was kind of hard to tell what was happening. We see the shot that is the main cover of her having something over her mouth, and all you can see is her eyes. But there's also him. Not that you know who him and her are yet, guys. Yes. But our two main characters. He is, like, panting and screaming. And he's telling her to, like, shut up because she is screaming. Yeah. And the the house security alarm is going off. And we don't know what's happening. But she's panicking and he's trying to get her to shut up. And then... And then it rewinds, rewinds. again. It goes even further back. And this time it goes all the way back to the very beginning. And it's a little tiny, stupid thing, but I kind of enjoyed that they blurred out his friend. Yes, that was fun. That made it feel real. Like, we don't want to give away the identity of this person. Let me see if they actually say in the credits. Do you, know, do you remember the name of the guy? David? There is a character named David in the credits listing, uh, played by Sammy Gad. I figured maybe that would be a good opportunity for, like, the director to make a cameo or something like that. But, no. <laughs> But yeah, so his friend's face is blurred out. And so here is where we meet our main two characters. And they are... Christian and Julie. Christian. Christian and and either Huli or Yuli, depending on who's saying it and under what context. They, they, they fluctuate on the pronunciation. It's also spelled July. Yuli or Huli, does that depend on the actor? Like, is it... Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, although I did hear Christian say both, I, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that this is made in, in Barcelona, Spain, and they it's, it has a slight pronunciation difference from a lot of other uh, Hispanic, Spanish languages or dialects. In a lot of Spanish dialects, you'll get a Juli, but in this one, you occasionally get a Yuli, just yeah, like- it's usually Julia. Yeah. Just like you would get, like a lot of the su sounds in in specifically in Barcelona, but in other areas of Spain, you'll get instead like a lispy th sound. Mm -hmm. That's why they they pronounce it Barcelona. Mm -hmm. So there are these slight pronunciation differences, but we'll we'll call them Christian and Julie for the benefit of our English speaking Anglo audiences and ourselves, our American so, audience. So we don't <laughs> so we don't sound like jackasses mangling somebody else's language. Yes. 
They introduce themselves and explain that they have their blog where they investigate urban legends. And for their Easter holiday, they are going to some place. I didn't write it down. It's like their 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 family has property in Stihes. Stihes? Stihes? I, I it, couldn't figure out how to say it properly. Yes, but it's S-T-I-G-E-S. But it's, the sti- it's pronounced stiges. differently than the way they spelled it. Well, yeah, because a G doesn't make a standard G sound. Yeah. But anyway. But they haven't been there since they were little kids? Yeah, it's been like 10 years since anybody's been there. I wonder why. Yeah, I don't know. It also makes it weird because we, when they go there, they see like a photograph, some old-timey photograph is like what ends up being a red herring. It's like, weren't they the last ones to live there? Yeah, exactly. So it's a little unclear. But anyway, David's there to, I guess, give them more equipment so they can take with them a bunch of batteries, which literally never becomes an issue. Not once in the entire movie. That's not true. It is true. They talk about it, but they never run out of batteries. What's her face runs out of the girl runs out of a battery at one point. One point he's like, well, I got tons of batteries. And she's like, "Eh, whatever, I'm not tired anyway. And it's just a non-issue is my point. Hmm. It doesn't ever enter into the plot in any significant way. Hmm. Which was kind of like this Chekhov's battery thing that I was expecting it to come up, and it just doesn't. I guess that's just them explaining why they have so much footage. I guess. And they explain that there is a legend of this area about a woman who is in a red dress that will help you out of the woods. Yeah, she'll show you the path, I think is what they say. I'm going to tell you right now. This is totally meaningless. Well, they come back to... Yeah, it'll it'll come back. But it will have no effect on what happens. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's we learn more information about characters who either did exist or were hallucinations or what. But this character of Melinda isn't one of them. Which seems like a missed opportunity or just a a red red herring. herring. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Because we do get, you know, this sort of female character in the the woody labyrinth and you know you're lost and you need to find your way out it's a perfect opportunity for this urban legend or i guess to do rural legend with it. but they to, nothing to use it in some way and they will bring it up several times I think, but it will have no bearing on the story i think what it could have to do is it is it sets up why they're interested number 1 but also it could be that the reality informed the legend, but they could have used the same names or something. It's not that because the or the legend is longer. The is older. legend existed long before this happened, right? Because doesn't the dad say that the mom His was really interested in the? Yeah, so that's and a then good point. Also, actually, it's really interesting because you just convinced me that it was a good idea. You, you brought up the fact that that is what interests them in going outside mm-hmm. and investigating these areas. And that's a really good point. But on top of which, it adds to their fear. Yes. It ends up being bullshit, not something they should have been afraid of at mm-hmm. all. But it does. That's why they're afraid. Yeah. And they have no idea of what they should actually be afraid of. Right. So I guess in a way that helps the story. Okay, so day one, they are driving up to the house. The sister is reading. The little brother is playing a video game. The older brother is recording everything. The little brother is named Jose, by the way. Yes, so it's 
Jose, Julie, and... Christian. Christian. So they get to this house, and Christian's like, oh, it's kind of creepy. It's a little bit spooky is the word that they used a lot. But I think Americans would, if we were to turn it, because I'm pretty sure the translation was British. Oh, it's absolutely British. They say things like knackered when they're talking about exhausted. Yeah. They say mum instead of mom. Yes. Yeah. So I think we probably would have changed it to creepy if we had done like a dub. Right. So we find out that the sister has a boyfriend that the brother makes fun of. He calls him a goblin, but it totally doesn't matter. That's not important to the story at yeah. all. Nothing really important happens. On day one. Day two, he's obsessed with film. He has this whole part where he, like, does the taxi driver thing, which, again, doesn't really affect the story at all, but I guess it just shows how much he loves film, and that's why he wants to make this film. Sure. They go outside to find a labyrinth. Yeah, and there's... So, it's a wooded labyrinth where all the trees there or bushes there are, like, seven feet tall, and there's decorative stone like planters and and benches and it's like this would have been a really highbrow sort of expensive fancy place uh, but it's gone to shit uh, there's been no upkeep to it yeah so it's hilarious because the movie kind of sets it up to make you think that like the labyrinth is going to become important and it's going to be magical and like you're going to get lost in there and he's going to make all these marks, but it won't matter. None of that. It is nothing right. but a regular old maze. There is no magical property to it whatsoever. Now, even at one point in this scene when they're exploring, they find this like ornate stone. Altar. They like, call it an altar, but... It's like, it's like a gazebo. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he pretends to marry Julie to a goblin. Her boyfriend that he calls the goblin. <laughs> but he like points the camera down at the floor. Well, I think the implication is that he's short. Yes. Which is why he calls him a goblin. I'm sure that if we had changed it, it probably would have been imp. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is funny because in Game of Thrones, they use the word imp. Again, and now this is really reinforcing what I just said. They will get scared several times in this maze. Yeah, like they lose each other. They will think they're stick. They will think they're lost. Uh huh. She will start to be like, "What happened to your marks?" And then he'll be like, "There's one right there." Yeah. Like so, it shows that they are afraid of these magical things. Uh huh. That don't exist. Right. They have this sort of paranoia. But they're not afraid of the thing that is there, but they don't see it. Yeah. So in a way, I actually now I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. that was kind of an interesting. Like I said, it's really effective at establishing the tension within this labyrinth. I think the problem is, is that at the end of the movie, you've been, your expectations have been building so much mm -hmm. that it's a big letdown to find out that there is no magical thing. Right. There is no magical thing. And to find out that you're just like the kids. However, the that's movie, kind of the point. And that kind of awesome? however, the movie framed it for that. Yeah. You had no you had no control over what they showed you. Right. It's agreed. It's almost like they're. So they wanted you to see it from their perspective, but it's not fair because I wouldn't have looked at it from this teenager's perspective. Right. So. But that's what they're trying to do. That's what the medium of film is all about. It's about showing you somebody else's perspective. So in that way, it was effective. By the time you get to the end of the movie, you almost feel a little bit let down. Mm-hmm. 
So they meet also, they're hanging out on the side of the road and they meet their dad's friend who drives up and there's this weird moment where like he's, Christian is standing up next to his car and he's hanging out the end of the car. This will go nowhere. He's like looking up at Christian and then he like looks down at his crotch and then up and down and up and down. Several times. And it's like, does he want to fuck Christian? I think that he's just uncomfortable with looking at him in the eye. Maybe. But- that was not the way that he portrayed it. Right. Uh-huh. And I feel like it's probably the director's fault. It's also weird that we only ever see this guy interacting with the kids. Like, even though he's the dad's yeah. friend, him and the dad never interact in this movie. But none of this will come, like, to fruition or anything like that. He's just, he's a totally normal guy. Yeah. But, yeah, so I, I think it was the director's fault there for not catching that. But that night, he tells them his version of the story of Melinda and makes it much more sinister. And Christian's like, well, I thought her job was to show you the way. Isn't isn't she a good spirit? And he's like, well, it depends on who you ask. Yeah, and I, I love I kind of love his responses too, because he's like, dude, I I've never seen her, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you what other people have said. Uh-huh. All right. Look, I don't believe in ghosts. However, I was told as a kid, don't go in this area, and I don't. Right. So I think it's a very typical person like i don't believe in it but no i'm not gonna tempt fate right that night christian will christian and jose will wake julie up to tell them to tell her we hear a noise now i never heard the noise i just heard the dog barking Mm -hmm. but they keep talking about a noise i don't know if like that was a mistranslation same i do hear the dog barking and julie's like all i hear is the dog barking and so it's almost like we're in julie's position right like the the video only comes on when she wakes up so we kind of see this moment from her perspective but so something is supposed to be happening outside and the dog is barking at it and so that's that night the next day it's day three april 1st and kind of like we are right now they can't really go anywhere so they have to occupy their time with things around the house and around the property and they've already explored the maze so they start digging through the basement and they find all this old stuff that used to belong to them they find out that the dad won't be back until tomorrow even though they're on Easter break, he's apparently he gets going, like called into work. Yeah, going back to work. We don't which get is any always information. The way with horror movies, yes, get rid of the person who would help the most from the situation. Right. So they decide that since he's not there, they can sneak down into the basement. It's kind of like you know the situation now. So this is April first, day three, and you know. You get bored of doing things around the house and you got to find things to do. And so now they're digging through their old stuff in the basement that used to belong to them before. And they find like old artwork and other things like that. They find a collection of movies. They find a ton of stuff, but none of it matters. Right. Including a diary of the mothers, which you think is going to become important. Not just this moment, but but later later you think it's going to be important. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not. Right. Because one thing we didn't talk about is that the dad told them not to explore the labyrinth. Yes. Because, oh, your mom had a traumatic experience in there or something like that. That's why it's locked up. Something about yeah. that. So you think we'd, we'd get something more about that diary, but nope, nothing. Nothing. Anyway, they find VHS movies of Godzilla, Bruce Lee's uh, Fist of Fury, or as they call it, uh, Furia Oriental, hmm. and The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. 
which is cool. <laughs> and they end up watching, I think, the bird with the crystal plumage, because huh. we hear just a woman screaming. Yeah. And then they hear glass breaking upstairs. At one point, Jose comes down and watches it with them. Yes. And and then glass breaks upstairs. So they go upstairs, and it's just a glass broken in the middle of the kitchen prep area, and no one's there. They go check on their mom, and she's asleep in her room. So they go back out to the maze. And this is where they first start leaving marks. Just like in Labyrinth. Uh-huh. But yeah, again, they never come back and go, Someone is changing my marks. Doesn't happen. Someone has been changing my marks. What a horrible place this is. It's not fair. But they do see something weird this trip. What yes. do they see? They find a beaten path that leads further into the middle of the labyrinth mm -hmm. where they find a well. Now, this, this is not like the center. They've already found the center. Uh -huh. This is something you're not supposed to go out into, mm -hmm. which doesn't make any fucking sense. Or at some point you were, but it's overgrown now. And yeah, there is a well there. And we look down into it and we can see the bottom. Yeah, he makes jokes about it being Melinda's well. You're thinking, uh-oh, you're going to get in trouble for that. No, he's not. Doesn't matter. Yeah, he pretends to fall in, and his sister gets freaked out, and he, he laughs at her. He makes fun of her. Loses his glasses. Mm -hmm. Serves you right. But on their way back, what do they see? Oh, a person. Yeah. They see what looks to be a woman with her back to them. All we see is hair. But they're too freaked out to call out to her or anything, and they get out of there. Yes. And it's a, it's a little bit of like a, you know, long, greasy hair kind of look, like it's a Samara or yes. a Sadako kind of thing. But you can just barely see it. Right. But that night is when they actually set up the camera to watch the entrance to the maze because they're so freaked out. There was the noises the previous night, and they focused the camera on the entranceway to... The labyrinth, because they heard the dog barking, Jose and Christian heard the noises that Julie didn't hear, so they set this up and they plug it into the computer so it can record all throughout the night. We see what it records, and all we get is the dog barking at the gate, and then nothing else. But the next morning, day four, April 2nd, the dog is gone, and... You're thinking, okay, well, why don't they check the footage? They just don't think of it. They're just looking for the dog. Well, a couple of things. The sister, for whatever reason, did not want the brother to record all night. Yeah, this will come up later, and it doesn't make... She just kind of makes fun of him for being paranoid or whatever. And it gets a little complicated later, and we'll get to that then. But this feels very paranormal activity to me, and I don't... Paranormal activity does literally nothing for me, mm -hmm. except for the very last shot, which probably is everyone's least favorite shot. I guess jump scares just scare me, and staring at a screen thinking something's going to happen, and then when it does, it's a sheet. Like, I just, I don't get why that scares There's me. There's something about paranormal activity that I really like, and I think it's the way all the, the franchise plays on itself it goes back and forth through time around this centering around this one family but the thing is like it hands it out to you so piecemeal and 95 percent of the movie is just staring at nothing happening and but for some people that's petrifying yeah well it's, it's tension and that's all it is but i guess 
for me, I have to know that there are stakes involved. Because if you just tell me, there might be a ghost. Right. Watch this but then, for but then, hours. Like nothing happens in the entire movie in Paranormal <laughs> Activity until the very end. Then when people start dying and there are consequences to things. Yeah. Like at the very <laughs> end. So you could watch the beginning and you could watch the end and nothing in the middle even fucking matters. <laughs> and but that's how it interweaves like with the sisters and the baby and the and then all of a sudden there's a fucking witch's coven. It's nonsense. But bringing it back to this movie, yes, they they don't do very much of that. This is way more focused on Blair Witch stuff. But this moment, I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" We just watched a video of, of a dog, dog barking. Yes. yes, and again, I know that kind of like in Paranormal, they're trying to build it up. Oh, what is it? what is what is it? Yeah, just like it's a dog barking. That's that is That's probably is. <laughs> the most Paranormal activity moment in the entire movie. And it gets, well, there's a couple of those times. But it but it gets a little less paranormal activity. Like, this is the most paranormal activity it is, I feel. Yes. Just a, a still static shot of a dog barking at nothing <laughs> for what feels like five minutes, but it's really not. But it yes. feels like that. And then cut to the next day. Like, nothing happened. Except but anyway, the dog's gone. Right. The dog is missing, and they suggest to go into the labyrinth to look for it, because they know you can get in even though it's locked up. But the mom says no, but they do it anyway. But they're just like, mom, we went through it yesterday. So quick. It's not a problem. And she's like, no. Which again makes you think that something scary is happening in there. It's something, something scary happened to her when is she was happening in there. Yeah. But not what they think. You're right. And so Julie somehow got a key to the gate. And so they just unlock it this time instead of squeezing through. And they go looking for the dog. It's a lot of calling out to Robin, the dog, until ultimately they find some spots of blood and his collar and then a trail of blood. And they follow it back to the well like it was bleeding and dragged on the ground. And then the trail of blood goes up over the well and then into it, almost like whatever spirit lives in that well pulled the dog down in with it. It's not a spirit. It's not. (laughs) But they do look in the well and they do find Robin dead at the bottom of the well. Yes. And they agree not to tell their little brother, Jose. I love that he's like, we can't just leave. I want to bury the dog. And she's like, and how are we going to do that? He's like, I don't fucking know. And so they don't do it. It's great. They don't unnecessarily risk their lives or anything like that here. But they do use the marks to find their way back home. But back home, they finally check the footage from the night before. And it cuts off where it cut off for us. And Christian can't explain it because he hooked it up to the computer specifically so it wouldn't run out and it would record the whole night. He gets really mad at Julie, accusing her of fucking with the cables. And she denies it. But later that night, she apologizes for turning the camera off. But there's no explanation for why she does it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is that she couldn't stand the idea of him doing it all night. Why? Why? Yes. It doesn't explain why. It's plugged in so it won't die. It's recording to the laptop so it won't run out of footage. Like, uh, it was like just because her brother wanted to do it and she didn't want him to. Right. So now. It's just insanity to me. Like, I know why they did it for the movie because they don't want us to fucking know. Right. Exactly. But like. Again, it's. It's infuriating because there's no explanation. Again, it's something in service of. 
the flow of the plot, the story, the revelation of information to the audience, but it doesn't make sense in universe and they provide no explanation for it. And that's just frustrating as a viewer. Yes. But this night is going to be the bulk of the rising action and climax of the movie because the mom comes in panicking because she can't find Jose. And when Christian mentions that he might be outside, she freaks out and goes, grabs a flashlight and goes running outside. He tries to keep up with her. Julie tries to keep up with him. And you think, uh-oh, they're all getting separated. They're all running aimlessly. Something bad's gonna happen. No. Well, I mean, it, they, bad things happen, but yeah, nothing. Bad things yeah. happen. But, it's but like also the, the bad things that happen make zero sense when you know what what's actually happening. But it's also like the Blair Witch where in the climax they all get separated. One person gets picked off early and then the other two get separated until they ultimately find each other. And then this one goes a little bit further than that. It doesn't just end there, which is at least preferable. But anyway. There's a funny moment where the brother and sisters collide into each other. I have that. So... Her Julie, camera breaks. Julie sees a person in the path behind her, and she freaks out, screams, runs into Christian, and seemingly breaks her camera. Yes. They leave it and thus never see the footage of who it was that was on that camera. They don't, at least. They're all in the maze. We're seeing night vision footage because it's nighttime and they're looking for their mom. Christian then gives her his knife, and then this never becomes an issue. We basically never deal with the knife ever again. Right. And, but then he ditches her. When he hears the mom screaming and he chases after the sound, he finds the mom's flashlight, but now has lost both his mom and Julie. Now, I have written down here, they brought up how many batteries he has with them twice before, and they don't have their packs now, dot, 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 but it, nothing comes of it. <laughs> like I said earlier, he sits at the bench. He quietly freaks out. We almost get a Blair Witch apology moment. Almost. With the camera facing him, but it doesn't happen. They don't go there. He gets walking again without the night vision for some reason. Now, again, within the logic of the universe, there's no explanation for why he turns the night vision off for a moment. All it does is it gives us a sense of what he sees while he's not looking through the camera. And it is kind of terrifying. He just has the flashlight and it's pitch black darkness around. But then he turns the night vision back on. Something runs at him. We hear steps. And then drags him away and he, as he's screaming, he somehow gets away. We get no indication whether or not he saw what it was. And he runs away, but he makes sure to grab the camera as he does it. Now, I don't know if you want to tell our audience yet who it is, but when you know who it is, it makes zero sense that they could overpower him. It makes zero sense that he wouldn't know who it was. and Especially with what happens in just a moment. Yeah. Because... He runs around for a while and he's panting and it is legitimately stressful as he just got attacked by something and he doesn't know what it was. He was dragged away by that something. He can't find his sister until ultimately he makes it to the altar slash gazebo thing where he finds his sister tied up, like strung up like a sacrifice or something. And she's bleeding from the face. We don't know if it's from the nose or the mouth. It's never really made apparent and she isn't telling. Right. And that's a problem. That she's not telling. And we also don't find out what happened to her. And when you, again, right, that's what when you know what's happening, this does not make sense. Right. 
because unless she's gone into shock, I guess. I guess and can't express to him, but she does talk to him. But it's not like she's gone into La La Land and can no longer speak. She they have a conversation. But kind of coming up here, she kind of does lose it and does nothing but scream for she the rest of the movie. She is going a little bit crazy, but she does talk to him. Uh huh. She steps on a nail and it goes clean through her foot, a la Home Alone. Yep. My mom did that once. My by mom. The way. Did, my dad did that. <laughs> They find a marker on one of the benches and get their way out. So now they're out of the labyrinth and literally never go back. When they're inside in like a den area, an open area, which I think is on the second floor, actually. Oh, wait. On their way back to the house. Okay. She is holding the flashlight, but she's holding oh, it. Oh, right. I think like up against her or something because she's so scared. It's like a self-comforting thing. She's just holding it close to her. And he's got the camera. Now, the reason we can see her... Is because the camera's pointing backwards. Facing backwards. And we saw what his vision looks like even with the with the flashlight before. And now she's not using the flashlight and he's not using the camera. It should be pitch black darkness. They shouldn't be able to see where they're going. You're right. Hundred percent. Kelsey called that and I was like, oh, you know what? You're right. (laughs) But they do make it back and they make it to like this den area that I think is on the second floor. And there's the fireplace there and they're splayed out on the floor and Julie's been bleeding and she's covering her face with something until Julie screams and she's looking in the fireplace. And when Christian gets to her and turns around, this charred body falls out of the fireplace. It's Jose, their little brother. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden a loud bang and the security alarm starts going off. And the lights go off. This is the clip that we see where they're in a room. She's freaking. The security alarm's going off. He's trying to get her to shut up. Uh, But there is something or someone in the house and he hides her in one of the cupboards in this kitchen prep room that we saw before. He goes upstairs into their bedroom. He puts... Well, not before he closes a door and then an axe comes through it and he freaks out and he goes upstairs. Oh, I kind of remember that. You asked me what that was because I don't think you caught it while we were watching it. But he runs up to their room, which is in the attic. He blocks the door with his chair and then he sits there and cries for a while while we hear banging. And doesn't arm himself or anything. Again, the knife went to his sister and was never used. But there's banging on the walls and stuff like that around downstairs for a long while while he's sobbing. The alarm is still going off. Then a bang at the door. Then the video glitches and we get a freeze frame of the door slightly ajar. Then it cuts to the title card April 3rd, 530 a.m. Yeah. What is that supposed to imply? I don't know. Because the next morning at 5.30 a.m., or it's just he's been up that late. The lights come on and music comes on. And he opens the door to the bedroom and he looks down and there's loud, old-timey music. And I'm thinking back to that couple they found in the photo when they first showed up, which couldn't be anybody but them because, again, they were the last ones to live there. There's music playing downstairs. The lights in the stairway are on. The alarm is not going off. He goes downstairs, and as he walks, he sees blood on the wall in certain places. He makes things a point are to everywhere skew. He checks blind spots and doors and things like it's that. It's really funny, which is awesome. He, he like realizes there's a corner he hasn't checked, and he changes. And like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right as he turns a corner, he turns really sharply to look in the blind spot. It's great. <laughs> he goes to the kitchen where he finds the cabinet that he put his sister in open, and there's blood everywhere. The TV in the basement 
seems to be where the music was coming from, is now playing sounds of a psychiatric doctor talking about psychosis when somebody was a kid and it can it, they thought they solved it but it could come back he turns the camera to the tv and there's nobody sitting in the chair in front of it and then it cuts to photo evidence exhibits taken by police in stiges or stiges or whatever it is we hear carlos's 911 call the dad's friend saying all the children are dead there's a slideshow of police at the scene which i kind of liked we see video footage of the police examining the premises. Christian is dead. There's a sheet over him and it's bleeding around where his ass would be. Yeah. Which implies something weird that doesn't line up with what we know happened to him because right. he's in this den area where they find him. Well, I mean, I think it lines up with what we know happened to him. We all, well, I'll tell you what I mean by that in a little bit. We see a bloody axe. We see Julie, her bloody body with leaning up against the stump where they were cutting wood earlier and bloody mess everywhere, implying her that her head off. had been cut off. Uh, there's news audio playing, explaining sort of the circumstances. And then rewind. And rewinding to Christian in the basement. The video on the TV explains that the mom had postnatal psychosis and killed her third child, Michelle. Not Melinda or anybody else. As a child, she had this psychosis that she saw a woman named Elvira, not Melinda, Elvira, who would speak to her and they thought they solved it when she was a little kid, but the birth, the childbirth brought it, brought that psychosis back, which wasn't really an issue until they had this third child, Michelle. But then they went and had a fourth child after that. Like she was institutionalized after having killed Michelle. And remember, the kids don't have any knowledge right. of this. And they were older, but they don't remember any of this. They don't remember her being pregnant. They don't remember not ever meeting the baby. Uh -huh. They don't remember her leaving for a while. None and, of that. And Christian is watching all of this until we see the mom show up wielding an axe and then attacking him as he stands up. She attacks him with the axe face to face and they're both standing up. Why is there all of us? Why is all of a sudden he's in a different room and the only wound is in his ass? She probably killed him, and then she did dragged him, and then bad things to him. Yeah, I don't. Uh, anyway, but it makes sense because she, her whole thing is it's supposed to be a separate personality, so it's not like it's her. The plot kind of reeks to me like they wanted to make a movie first, saw or already knew of the location where it was going to take place, and then wrote a movie around that. Do you get that same feeling? It just feels like they tried to stick too many different cliches into one movie yeah and there, it just ends up being a lot of red herrings which is fine that the characters are wrong about things that they're scared about something and that's not actually the case but the movie does set up some stuff and then you find out what actually happened and that's a letdown in and of itself but also it doesn't make sense mm -hmm. there's a lot of holes there now but I guess we're not supposed to think about it because it's supposed to be some mind-blowing reveal and then the movie ends. Right. Where we see like 147 different production it's company promos. To, yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's supposed to just feel like a whoa type of moment uh -huh. that you're not supposed to sit down and pick apart. But again, Kelsey called it early on. Is it the mom? <laughs> and yep, sure enough, it was the mom. <laughs> 
Also, there's this moment where the son, Christian, is kind of creeping on his mom. She's in like her nightgown and bending over in front of a mirror. And he, and like you get a shot of her cleavage and he's like looking through a cracked door. And then she looks up at him and he's like, buenos noches, mama. And it's like, what is happening there? I just think that they just I think that I'm, there's just a difference in culture. Right. But also, you know, they do kind of tiptoe around the fragility of their mom. But like. No reference to the fact that they're old enough, regardless of how quickly they had Michelle, he was old enough that he wouldn't not know that he had a sister. His mom was pregnant. He had a second sister. And then all of a sudden he didn't anymore. Right. Even if he didn't know what happened. Right. Never comes up. It's weird. But yeah. it does explain why Jose is so much younger than they are. Because he's like 17. I she's mean, like 16 or 15. You could and Jose is like eight. As like <laughs> they lied to him and told him that oh she died, and they right. could have just had something about like oh we had a sister and she didn't make it. Yeah, but nothing. Right. And just comes out of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Anyway, anything else to talk about? No. Nope. What do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes, Kelsey? Like a forty-six out of eighteen reviews, no consensus. Fifty-six percent. Is the percentage of reviewers who walked away with a generally positive outlook of the film. No Metacritic, no cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? It's right around where I was going to go. What would you give it? I was going to give it a 55. I was thinking a little bit higher than that. I don't want to like condescend to this director and be like, oh, there's some, it's obvious that there's a lot of talent here and maybe he can make a good movie later. Like he's, you know inexperienced or whatever, but it does kind of feel like this writer director, there is some inherent talent there and it's just not put to good use in this movie. Does that make sense? Maybe, but I just think he's just sticking. He's just trying to stuff too many things into one package. He got good actors. I thought the kids were really good. Oh, I thought the kid, the main kid, Christian, Christian, I thought he was really good. Mm hmm. I mean, I even like Julie. She was fine. And like I say, there were moments of legitimate tension and anxiety when he was behind the camera and all we hear is just him panting and crying. I thought that was really effective. He felt really realistic. I thought yes. he was, I think he's a good actor. He but felt they're, like a real teenager. Right. But there are just too many pitfalls that they fall into in the execution and plot elements and too many red herrings that set, are set up and go nowhere. Too many ultimate solutions that aren't set up at all or don't fit with what was set up. And it, it feels clumsy in that regard. It's thankfully short because these movies can drag on for way too long. Yes. It's just as long as it needs to be. Yes. So it's there's not, quality it's there. Never once do you feel like, oh, that was really short. But you also don't feel like, oh, my God, it'll never end. Right. Aside from that one paranormal activity scene where we just get the dog barking at nothing and no resolution. Yeah, but that's just personal yeah. taste. Too many plot contrivances to make things convenient, like the sister shuts off the camera with no explanation. The sister decides to not tell him it's their mother. Yeah, or it's, yeah, it's, but I would rank it higher than 55, I think. I think I'll give it a 62. Low 60s, okay. I think, is where it ranks. I also don't understand why it's called atrocious. Because like I guess the things she did right, are atrocious. she did are atrocities. And that makes it human, I think. It's kind of, but it's just kind it of... It kind of does root it in the humanity of what happens. It's not, it's not mythical. It's very human, but terrible. And that's kind but of what an atrocity is. she's not doing it out of malice. 
I don't think malice is required for an atrocity. I kind of do. I think postnatal depression or postpartum depression, as it's often referred to, is natural and it happens to a lot of perfectly reasonable, wonderful people. And just like any other depression, and right, so I don't know. And that bad things can right happen. Word. Well, you can do atrocious things and it not require malice because you have some sort of mental condition. I don't think there's any implication that it's done on purpose because you're a bad person. Although that could be a prerequisite. Anyway, I, I think ultimately it does relate that it is a I very mean, human issue and nothing spiritual about it. So I'm looking up the definition here and it does say the definition of atrocious is horrifyingly wicked. Yes. But it also means of a very poor quality, extremely bad or unpleasant. So an act can be atrocious as a descriptor of what happens with zero emphasis on the execution of that act. It just being bad or unpleasant, extremely bad or unpleasant, but it can also mean wicked. So I guess she's not atrocious, but what happens to these children is. Okay. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I guess that's where, it, but again, it's, it's like they picked a word and slapped it on the top of the movie. Like they could have put almost any word on this movie <laughs> and it would have been just as apt. <laughs> All right, that is our modern film 2010's Atrocious, thus ending our Easter episode. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Well, I think at this point, we're all pretty much stuck inside, right? Yes. Oh, God, it is. I'm going crazy here. Yeah. So, uh, well, you say it makes it sound like we're going to watch Cabin Fever. We're not. We're not. <laughs> but I mean, Cabin Fever does have a contagion element, but we're not. We're not. We're not going to do that. Cabin Fever is not. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> it never did. I don't know why you think it did at any point. It was really popular when it came out for people my age. You know how much older I am than you? Ancient. <laughs> but so next week. We're finally doing The Stand. Oh, Jesus. We haven't even started watching that yet. I'm so excited. It's like six hours long. And I just can't hide it. Oh, God. We've seen it. You and I have seen it twice together. At least. At least. <laughs> I had seen it once before this when it was on TV. So did you. <laughs> and now we're going to watch it a fourth or potentially fifth time, depending on how you can. Because I've watched it with Jill. When yes. We, when we both read it together. Right. You went over her, to her house a couple times and watched it. Mm -hmm. She hadn't read it and she hadn't seen it. So. She, God. Um, and then. Uh, listen, it's a 90s Stephen King made for television adaptation. It's going to be a thing. <laughs> and then. Our first Q movie, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we don't have any movies starting with Q in our entire library. Quarantine. Quarantine. Now, yes, Quarantine is just an English language remake of Wreck. We are aware, and you might think that it's so much worse. It's really <laughs> not. It's almost exactly the same thing, <laughs> except it's in English, and it'd be much easier for us to get clips for the show. Yeah. It'd be better for the listeners. If you want to watch Wreck, it's effectively the same movie. You can go ahead and watch it. It's okay. <laughs> but for the purposes of this show, we're going to watch Quarantine. Besides, now we have a Q movie. Right, exactly. <laughs>
and a title that relates to what's going on right now. Because we're, we're all, all in self-quarantine. Quarantine. And seriously, like I'm starting to have moments like I get I get anxiety to get a little personal. And there was a time where we were stuck on a train coming home from San Francisco. Chris couldn't hang, guys. Because we hit somebody. <laughs> Sorry, really I'm laughing. Happened. I'm laughing at how blunt that was. I'm not laughing about the fact that we hit somebody. But we were on this train and they wouldn't let us off for hours. And I was starting to get like super anxious and I had to get up. I had to move. I had to just go to a different cabin because I couldn't be in the same place that long with nowhere to go. It w- I, I felt very claustrophobic and like, I'm starting to get senses of that now in my own home <laughs> and it's weird. So I'm taking opportunities to go pick up food for us or go on shopping runs so I can just get out, which is not normally the case. Normally I'm like, yeah, fuck it. I'll stay home all day, every day. But there's something about not having anywhere to go, which is worse than just not going anywhere. Anyway, <laughs> we are under quarantine, and now we're going to do a movie about quarantines. Much more militaristic and much more strictly enforced. Yes. But uh, we've have you, you've seen it, right? I've seen one of them. I think you might have seen Quarantine. Okay. It's with the sister from Dexter. I can't remember if I saw that one or if I saw both. I, I mm-hmm. All the marketing materials totally give away the big moment in the movie, yeah, too, like, which sucks You know hard. the ending before <laughs> yeah. you've seen the film. But it's a good story. I like the way it goes. It escalates. It's a story about how people react when put under extreme circumstances, which, you know, might relate to our current uh, environment. So anyway, you can look forward to that next week. Until then, you can always reach us on our website, podcemetery.com. We can get a list of every episode we've ever done, also a library of every movie we've ever covered in alphabetical order, if you want to dive into our backlog that way. Which is why we're so excited about Q. Yes, finally. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Again, keep an eye out. We're going to have some choice wedding photos shared with you. Very few, but because you guys were curious, we'll share that there. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice, rate and review. Their five-star written reviews are an enormous help. So please, if you haven't already, help us out there. Sharing us with your friends is also very big. And you know what? Thank you for listening in the GD first place. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? What is this bullshit? Them man-eating dust mops got us roped up tighter than a blue ribbon bull, and all you folks can do is stand here and play kick the can with some punk kid. Bend over? Uh Uh-huh. Grover's bend? Yes, that's the right answer. Okay. All right, Kelsey, you, uh... Oh, that is, that's the end of it. Yeah. (laughs) That's gonna get cut. (laughs) He finds the eggs, and he tries to sell them to the, to the, the, um... Oh, some random Antique store guy. He's not random, he's in the movie.
Okay. Now, see, now these things I don't understand, so I'll explain them to you. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck is Brad? Brad is our main character. <laughs> okay. Um, do people know why I'm so excited for Leo? I don't think it it's Leonardo DiCaprio who <laughs> who's confused about that. Some girls don't find him attractive. But they understand that girls do. Anyway. <laughs> Starring Christian Valencia, Clara Mor- Clara Mor- Clara Moraleda, and Chus. Pereiro. Plus, if you're looking for a foreign horror movie that you want to enjoy, or one specifically from Spain, you could do worse than this. You know, if you're if you're trying to like broaden your horizons. <laughs> that was from Brazil. What was from Brazil? Kill me, please. Is from Brazil. I didn't say anything about kill me, please. I thought that's where you were going. No, no, no. no <laughs> I thought no, you were no. gonna be like, there are some that are really shit. Jesus. <laughs> Ooh, that was that an earthquake? We just had an earthquake, guys. Oh, that was fun. recording. Well, right at the end of our recording, actually. Oh, it's still going. Huh. It's done. I think we're safe. Yeah. Okay. Fuck, what were you talking about? But when by the time you get to the movie... I don't think I said end of the movie. I think it's by the time you get to the movie. I'm so excited. It's like six hours long. And I just can't hide it. You want to say that again? And I just can't hide it. I've been Kelsey. And this has been... You want to say that again? She wasn't ready. You should have seen the look on her face as I was going through the outro and she's like, oh, shit. (laughs) I haven't seen... I hate teenagers. (laughs) I haven't seen you in a long time. Pee-wee, how's your little space monsters? I gotta go where the cosmic winds blow me. I gotta go where no man has gone before. (laughs) 